welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Steve Piasecki podcast. Dead Stripper is the first book in the Steve Piasecki series. But a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and a depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, in the chapter 19 of Dead Stripper, when we watch Steve get booked, then witness what happens at his arraignment. Scene 70. 25 minutes later, inside a Clifton Heights police car. The arresting officer is driving and I'm sitting in the back seat with my hands cuffed behind him. Where are we going? We're going to take your mug shots and fingerprints. Where? At the Darby police station. We're on Springfield Road in Alden, halfway between Clifton and Darby. Why there? It comes down to dollars and cents. How so? We use a digital system. It's cutting edge technology. We take your fingerprints and mug shots and they instantly go into the National Crime Database. Just like that, every law enforcement agency in the country knows who you are, what you look like, and what you did. No shit. Yeah, but the system's too expensive for small PDs like most of us here at Delco. So, we centralize everything into one system. That way, we have access to it, but we only pay for what we use. Very interesting. But I'm just curious. Will they delete me from the National Crime Database after they find out I'm innocent? Well, that I don't know. Scene 71. Ten minutes later, at the Darby Police Station on Ridge Avenue in Darby. The Clifton officer leads me inside straight to the booking area. It's a large room with uniformed officers from several police departments going about police business. He leads me up to the counter, then removes my handcuffs. A Darby cop is standing behind the counter. Identification, please. They confiscated it at the police station in Clifton. My name's Stephen Piasecki. He punches a keypad and looks at a computer screen for a few seconds. Possession, intent to distribute, and sales. You're quite busy, I see. I want to say, fuck you, asshole, but bite my tongue under the circumstances. Step over to the device on your right. I take two steps to the right. He takes my right hand and places a palm down on the top of a scanner. Almost instantly, I see my palm print displayed on a large monitor in front of me. Then he takes my right thumb and rolls it onto a smaller scanner. Then one by one, he does the same thing with the rest of my fingers. And then he does the same thing with my left hand. In less than a minute, I'm looking at both my palm prints and all 10 fingerprints on the monitor. Move to your right. He points to the right behind me until you're in front of that gray screen on the wall behind you. I take four steps to reach the screen, then stop. That's good. Now turn toward me and look straight into the camera. I turn and look straight into the large device. I smile without being told to do so. No way do I want a mugshot like Nick Nolte's from a few years back. He clicks the camera. Turn to the right. I keep smiling and turn to the right. He clicks the camera again. Turn back around the other way so I can get your profile. I turn 180 degrees and hold my smile, and the camera clicks for the third time. Scene 72. 25 minutes later, back inside the Clifton Heights police car. Now where are we going? To your arraignment. Where? 
We do our arrangements at the Upper Darby Magisterial Court. What happens there? They'll stick you in a holding cell until it's time for your arraignment. How long do I have to wait? You said you called your lawyer, right? Yep. Until he gets there. And then what? And then you go in front of the judge and get officially charged. Then, if you can post bond, you're free to go. What if I can't post bond? Then you go to the county prison until your preliminary hearing. When is that? Usually in a day or two. You're kidding. So I might be in jail for a day or two? Not if you post bond. Can you post bond? No clue. I've never been arrested before. How much is it? It depends, but don't worry. If you can't post bond, there's always a bail bondsman. For a fee, he'll put up the money for you. Scene 73. Ten minutes later, at the Upper Darby District Court on Garrett Road in Upper Darby. The officer pulls into a parking spot reserved for official vehicles only. I see Bernie standing on the ramp leading up to the front entrance to the court. He's clutching a handheld briefcase. The officer helps me out of the car and escorts me to where Bernie's standing. I didn't think I'd ever see you again, young man, and certainly not this soon. Well, that makes us even. Scene 74, two minutes later. Bernie's sitting on one side of a small table in a small conference room. His briefcase and a yellow legal pad sit on the top of the table. I'm sitting on the other side of the table. Now what? You're charged with a series of drug offenses. That's what I heard, Bernie. That's bullshit. That may be, but I've done a little research since your girlfriend called me. Two CI detectives and a pair of evidence techs searched your apartment a little while ago. I was there when they showed up. What the hell were they looking for? Your stash. What stash? The drugs that killed the stripper. More bullshit, Bernie. There's no there's no stash. Do you have any scales in your apartment? I don't even own a bathroom scale. What about a large supply of plastic bags? None. I don't cook. How about a large quantity of money? I keep loose change in a styrofoam cup in the kitchen. A couple dollars. The only way they find any stash is if they plant it there themselves. I hope you're right. You don't believe me? Young man, here are the facts of life when it comes to our legal system. Neither guilt nor innocence matter to the prosecutor or to myself. He's going to try to get a conviction, and I'm going to try to get an acquittal. All that matters is winning or losing for either one of us. And trust me, we're both going to bust our balls trying to win. So where do we go from here? Let's start with a few questions. He looks at a checklist on his legal pad. Do you have a prior criminal record? Not even a parking ticket. Are you perceived to be a threat to a family member, spouse, former spouse, or any member of the public at large? Not sure what you mean. Were there ever any restraining orders issued against you? No. How long have you lived at your current address? Going on three years. Before that, lived in Delco all my life. Your last name? Are you related to Piasecki Helicopters? Frank Piasecki was my great-grandfather. Wonderful. He makes a note. Do you have any record of drug or alcohol abuse? No. DUI? No. Did you ever attempt suicide or threaten to commit suicide? No way. Weapons offenses? I don't own a gun. Good answers. Now, using all of the wisdom at my disposal, 
were looking at one of three things. One, they found some sort of prima facie evidence to connect you to the drugs. Like what? Maybe they found your fingerprints in the dead stripper's bathroom. Like on the drug bag, the mirror, or the vanity. Impossible. I never touched any drug baggies in my whole life. And in fact, I never set one foot inside her apartment. A witness, perhaps? To what? I didn't do anything. Let's move on to supposition number two. They hope to push you to the point where you're willing to make a deal to rat out the prime players in your drug cartel. That's crazy. I'm not part of any drug cartel. Which leaves us with my third scenario, which is they're after something bigger. Like what? This is way out there. But what if she didn't die from a drug overdose? What if someone killed her and tried to cover it up by making it look like it was a drug overdose. That's someone being me? Precisely. That's preposterous. I'm just thinking out loud, just trying to predict every possibility that we may encounter. We'll start getting answers once your arraignment gets started. We'll start getting answers once your arraignment gets started. Bernie stares straight into my eyes. Did you supply her with any drugs? Cross my heart, Bernie. I never gave her any drugs. I picked her up at the strip club and drove her straight home. And then I carried her belongings up to her apartment and left. What? Hold on. You carried her belongings into her apartment? Right. But you just said you never set one foot inside her apartment. I carried her belongings up to her apartment, but not into it. I set everything on the floor outside her apartment, but I never went inside. Why did you carry her belongings? She told me she had an argument with one of the bouncers, you know before she left the club. An old boyfriend. He twisted her wrist and it was swollen and painful by the time we reached her building. So she asked me to help her carry her things. What did you carry? A makeup case, a heavy one, and two shopping bags. From Macy's, I think. And oh yeah, a riding crop fell out of one of the shopping bags. She picked it up and handed it to me, then I put it back inside one of the bags. A riding crop. A riding crop. <laughs> Brings back memories. But. That riding crop may be where they found your fingerprints, remote at best, but possible. Plus, your prints could be on that makeup case or on the shopping bag. Well, I guess you're right. So you helped her and wound up getting yourself in a whole shitload of trouble. Who'd have thunk it? Bitter irony flashes into my brain. My friend told me that helping people was going to get me in trouble one day. I thought he was so full of shit, but somehow he predicted. So that's it. Bernie snaps me back to here and now. Or is there anything else to consider? Not that I can think of. Good. Oh, I almost forgot. You mentioned something about an argument with one of the bouncers. Did she mention his name? His first name's Sal, but that's all I know. Good. Maybe we can throw him in the mix in your defense. Now, when the judge asks you to enter guilty plea, what do you say? Not guilty. Correct. The judge is going to bind you over for a preliminary hearing but the Eighth Amendment guarantees you the right to post bond while you await trial. So, the judge will set your bail. Based on the particulars in this case, your bail should be somewhere around, say, $10,000. 10 grand, what the fuck? Relax, I've been working with the same bail bondsman for decades. He'll post your bond for a small fee. How small? As a special favor to me, they'll charge you $100. Not exactly get out of jail free, but pretty goddamn close. Thanks, Bernie. 
Oh, I almost forgot. What? Can you in any way document the time after you left the stripper's apartment? I got a request for another ride as I was pulling away from a building. And you took that ride? Yep. Why didn't you mention that before? That could be the key to saving your ass. Suddenly, there's a knock on the door. Come in. The door opens. The judge is ready for you. Scene 75. Minutes later, Bernie and I are standing outside the door to the courtroom. Showtime. He opens the courtroom door and we enter. I see a wide aisle running down the middle of the room. Rows of chairs sit on both sides of the aisle, but no one's here because arraignments are closed to the public. I see a female judge sitting behind the bench. She's wearing a black robe and horn-rimmed glasses, and her hair's starting to gray. I'm guessing she's in her early fifties. The bailiff looks around, sees us coming, and calls our case. We start down the aisle, reach a railing, and stop. Good afternoon, Your Honor, Bernie greets the judge. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Wald. Bernie swings open a double gate, then directs me to a table on the left. I move behind the table. Bernie stops next to me and places his briefcase on the table. Sit down. We both sit in the chairs behind the table. Then I hear a commotion behind us. I turn my head and catch a glimpse of a well-dressed man moving down the aisle toward us. He's carrying a briefcase. Mr. Baldino, the judge says. I feel somewhat honored to have the district attorney's chief prosecutor in my humble courtroom today. Thank you, Your Honor. Nice to see you as well. He passes through the gates, steps over the table on the right, and remains standing. He sets his briefcase on the table, opens it, and begins pulling out legal-looking documents. The bailiff announces our case, then the judge wraps her gavel. Will counsel please identify themselves? Henry Baldino, Your Honor, Assistant to the District Attorney, County of Delaware, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Thank you, Mr. Baldino. Stand up. Bernie and I stand up at the same time. Bernard Wald, Your Honor, of Wald, Riley, and Rosenbaum, representing Mr. Stephen Piasecki for his arraignment today. And Mr. Piasecki is standing to my left. Thank you, Mr. Wald. The judge then reads the charges against me. After she finishes, she looks at me. Mr. Piasecki, do you weigh further reading of the complaint and a complete statement of your rights? Say I do. I do. Do you wish to enter a plea at this time? Not guilty. So noted, the judge makes a note and looks at the prosecutor. Mr. Baldino? The prosecutor stands and lays out the facts in his case. And just like that, as Bernie predicted, the judge binds me over for a preliminary hearing. The whole thing takes less than 10 minutes. Bernie stands, places his left hand on my right shoulder, and stares straight ahead at the judge. Your Honor, the reputation of a law-abiding citizen without one blemish on his record, has been impugned today, with no basis in fact. Now, in regard to my client's bail, Your Honor, the prosecutor stands, the Commonwealth asked that bail be denied. Your Honor, with all due respect to my esteemed colleague, there are no grounds for such a request. Mr. Piasecki is a man with deep roots in the community. He spent his entire life in Delaware County. He's the great-grandson of Frank Piasecki. Mr. Frank Piasecki is the man who founded the Piasecki Helicopter Company nearly 80 years ago, right here in Delaware County. His company became Boeing Aircraft, and Boeing employs more local residents 
than any other commercial venture in Delaware County. Your Honor, my client represents absolutely no risk of flight. I thus beseech the court to allow my client to post bail. Mr. Baldino, it does not appear to the court that Mr. Paisecki represents any sort of flight risk. Thus, I must sustain Mr. Wall's contention to deny your request to deny bail. I understand, Your Honor, but the charges in this case are serious. We are currently dealing with an opioid epidemic in this country, and as we are just learning with this case, this epidemic has now invaded our own backyard. Therefore, the Commonwealth requests that the defendant's bail reflect the severity of the charges filed against him. The Commonwealth recommends that the defendant's bail be set at no less than $100,000 full cash. The judge takes a good minute to examine some paperwork. I'm looking at the police report from Mr. Pisek. Other than the charges in this case, which were filed not more than four hours ago, all I see is a blank sheet of paper. Mr. Pisek has no prior criminal history, so Mr. Baldino, I believe $25,000 is more appropriate. With all due respect, Your Honor, that amount still seems somewhat excessive. Mr. Paisecki is a working man from an upstanding family with the deepest roots in our community. The judge looks at the paperwork again, then looks up. Well, upon further review, the bail for Mr. Paisecki is set at $5,000. Thank you, Your Honor. Furthermore, Based on Mr. Piasecki's roots in our community, I am willing to allow him to sign a signature bond holding him personally culpable for that amount. Thank you, Your Honor. Objection, Your Honor. Overruled. But, Your Honor, save it, Mr. Baldino. When I said overruled, that's exactly what I meant. Mr. Piasecki will remain free on a personal recognizance bond until his preliminary hearing. Whether you agree with my ruling or not, is irrelevant. Now do you understand, Mr. Baldino? Yes, Your Honor. The judge wraps her gavel and ends my arraignment. Scene 76. Five minutes later, I'm feeling pretty good as we exit the courtroom. Bernie, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be walking around free as a bird right now and without having to post bond. Thanks, man. You're welcome, young man. The judge owed me a favor. But how long you remain free as a bird, as you put it, is yet to be determined. Today, we just postpone the showdown. The next hurdle comes at your preliminary hearing. When's that? By pulling a few more strings, I can get it scheduled for Friday. But just like today, it's pretty much a rubber stamp. The prosecutor reads the charges, presents a modicum of evidence, and the judge binds you over for a formal trial. That's how it goes 99 times out of 100. And then comes the trial? Correct. In the courthouse, in media, in front of a real judge and a jury of your peers. But Bernie, there's no evidence against me. I hate to say it, young man, but they must have something. Otherwise, we wouldn't be this far along. What do I do in the meantime? Don't do anything stupid. Relax. Let the cards play out. Hibernate. Well, no problem. I got plenty to keep you busy. Good. You need a ride? My silver envoy comes into view with Jess behind the wheel. She pulls up and stops, then lowers the driver's window and smiles. Ah, who do we have here? I'm his girlfriend. Jeff gives Bernie a big smile. Is that right? Jess nods and keeps smiling. 
Jess. This is my Cracker Jack attorney, Bernie Wald. A pleasure to meet you, Mr. Wald. Just call me Bernie. A pleasure to meet you, Bernie. We spoke on the phone, correct? Correct. Bernie, remember when you asked me if I could document the time after I left the stripper's apartment? Of course. Meet my documentation. Honestly? Yep. Meet Miss Jessica Caswell. But you can call me Jess. Jess smiles. In that case, Jess, it's a good idea for us to get together as soon as possible. I need a deposition from you. Is it all possible for you to see me in my office later today at, say, he looks at his watch, six o'clock. Anything to help Steve. And that's the end of chapter 19. Join us next time when Jess drives Steve home from his arraignment. They bicker about the progress of their relationship. And when they arrive at Steve's apartment, they learn that Steve's grown a tail. See you next time.